The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded. My name is Jared Book. Joining me today is Anton Rasgard. Anton, how are you doing? I'm uh, very well. How are you, Jared? Have you uh, been able to sleep? The last <laughs> not, not, not really. Not really, no. But it's okay because the uh, the Canadian's West Coast trip has come at the perfect time for somebody mm-hmm. who can't sleep. So yeah. it's... Uh, unfortunately, though, there's only two 10 o'clock games before, before the weekend 4 o'clock games. Uh, eastern time anyway so but uh yeah no it's 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 going well but tired um yeah. so yeah it's it's uh i knew it was coming but it still didn't prepare me for it yeah i was gonna say like it's not something you can you can read all the books you can like you know know everything theoretically but when it comes to it no nothing can prepare you to being your dad i guess yeah no exactly and until you hear the screaming at every two hours overnight like you just you can't prepare for that it's just, well maybe maybe in a few months you will get used to it and just block yeah ex- exactly yeah it, it's funny because uh there are times when i sleep through it apparently uh and my wife is is not very happy about that but there, there are some times when i i just i just don't wake up uh for the screaming which is uh yeah it's not good but it's it's all right I, i'm the dogs are having a hard time adjusting as well yeah uh, to the screaming baby throughout the night, uh, especially our youngest dog. Our youngest dog is just very confused. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 great. But yeah, tired. Yeah, there's always an uh, adapt adapting period as well. Exactly like with any new thing that is happening, obviously. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 all. It's been like just over two weeks, mm-hmm. just about three weeks. So yeah, it's still new, and we'll we'll start it off with some some fun some some fun news over the week and i guess from the Montreal canadians and that is who knew that the first hat trick would come from matthew perot just <laughs> as we all expected right <laughs> yeah like uh, the team had barely scored three goals before that <laughs> so it's just like just the fact that it, it was it was wonderful to see that because like everything was just pain after the first five games right and just feel like is it going to be that kind of a season and i was thinking like for to myself like well you have to be happy for the uh the possibility of winning the draft lottery and possibly getting the the rights to draft the shane Wright. and i was just thinking like oh how can you pair like you have suzuki now for an eight-year contract and on a reasonable deal if he just starts producing like normal again and then you get like three years of a rookie Shane Wright and then you get like a 6-1 game against Detroit who we know like last time we faced Detroit we lost everything against like all four games and Detroit were the by far the worst team in the league now you win by 6-1 and I wake up in the morning just feel like 
yeah stanley cup baby here we come again <laughs> it's it, yeah it's it's funny because if if they lost to detroit mm-hmm. it would be okay season's over yeah. right like that that's that's basically the direction things were going in even though it is only six games that that's what the direction was going in it's like okay who's not making the trip to seattle because they'll be fired basically right like that's that that's that, that was the mindset and then they win 6-1 and they're still one in five, but you're like, is this team good now? Like <laughs> it's, 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 it's very strange, but. But it's kind of felt like, I mean, it's felt like the team has just um, kind of felt as well that everything has been kind of uh, bar out. It's just been going in the wrong direction. You know, uh, when they've started off uh, a game, well, they had like uh, an, unnecessary penalty and then the other team has scored on their power play and then it's just been downhill from there and it's been like that most of the games and then you just feel like uh now it was basically the same against Detroit but they managed to rally back in a good way and a few of the guys who needed to get points actually got points and as you said Mathieu Barreau like what an amazing moment like he will remember that for the rest of his life being a, a you know drummondville kid right uh, and coming into um well just scoring a hat trick at the bell center um at age what is he 33 34 um just a wonderful moment it's something that we will remember from this season no matter how it ends up going yeah it's it's such a like such a unexpected right like you would expect you know and it's hard because the Canadians have not really had like even Jonathan Drouin getting a hat trick would be a, mm-hmm. a great moment, obviously. But no, he's not, uh, yeah. That, that would also be very confusing. Because... <laughs> exactly. Cause he's not a goal scorer, even no. though he led the team in goal scoring going into the game anyway, but still, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where Montreal and Quebec as a whole loves their own, right? Yeah. Like it's the thing that drives this this local aspect on, on the Canadians is that they just love cheering for their players, whether it's it's baseball and Russell Martin or tennis and uh, Felix Ogiel Yassim or football and Laurent de Vellet Tardif mm-hmm. and, and others in, in the CFL or you know soccer and Patrice Bernier. Mm-hmm. It, it's just one of those they, they just love cheering for their own. Uh, and you know, I can go you know, boxing has a few examples. Um, there's just so many examples of this. But it's also and, natural. Like, right? No, yeah, it, it's, it's completely yeah. natural, but but there's something yeah. different about, I, I think because Quebec is still relatively small, like, you know, if a, Alberta is, like, population-wise, it's, it's big, but it just feels small. It's hard to explain, yeah, because if you, if you look at the numbers, like, Quebec is is still one of the, the biggest provinces in Canada. Like, you know, they don't have this, this whole thing, but, but I think it's just, it, it just hits different in. But I, I think, I think as well, like, I mean, since uh, Quebec and, and Montreal are like, it, it's, yeah, it's kind of a big region, but it's a unique region with a unique history and the only region, well, except for, you know, the islands um, that, you know, is bilingual and, and therefore it's a different part of, of both Canada and North America in general. 
And it's just like, I understand that as well from the exterior and, and from the time I spent in Montreal, just that there is, a, you know, a, a patriotism. It's not negative in any way. It's just like you want to see people from that part also succeed because you see all these guys from, you know, the West, you know, you see British Columbia based uh, or, or like Ontario based, you know, succeeding in different aspects. But like you want to see like the the guys who have been brought up in, in a different kind of culture, because obviously everyone in Quebec and Montreal, for example, they learn English at school. It's natural. I mean, if you go to just comparing in Montreal, I mean, I was living at Plateau, for example, and you come up there and it's mostly French, right? You go down in downtown and and there is still in Montreal a lot of people <laughs> who don't speak that good French. I mean, it's mostly English down there. Uh, at least it was like that when I was there. Um, and it's just like you kind of be, be become a bit marginalized naturally. And then it just it warms your heart to see the these guys who are kind of like representing the Quebec culture succeeding. It, even if it wouldn't have been in Montreal, but now it's just like now we that we see guys like Dwayne and and Perot kind of kind of like um, carrying this team through a difficult time. It it, it warms my heart from from out the outside as well. I mean, it's been a while too, right? Like it's he was the first hat trick by a Quebec-born player for the Canadians in Montreal since Vincent Danfus in 1998. Like wow. it, it's. It's been a while since they yeah. had like that that ability. To, I mean, they they've had French Canadian players since then, right? They had, you know, Guillaume Latendresse, Maxime Lapierre. Mm-hmm. Like they had big goals for the Canadians. Yeah. Even even the guy like Yannick Perot, right? It, like they had they've had those guys, but it's just been so long since they've had that kind of game. And yeah, Quebec just loves when their athletes take like the world by storm. Like when 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 a Quebec athlete gets like mainstream attention, like worldwide like it's just it's just it just hits different and in a way that i don't think it happens when the guys from toronto or, or things like, that. like canada in general really loves their homegrown athletes yeah. but but quebec just uh takes it to like uh another level like they just love you know their their uh the, the people who come from here and make a name for themselves and, and you've really seen it in sports with the names i mentioned earlier yeah. In, in recent years, uh, they just have that that kind of uh, mentality that that is a little bit different, right? Like it, it's just you know, it, you know, Jason Spezza scores a hat trick for for the Maple Leafs. Like people aren't going to be like chanting his name, right? Like, and, and he's from Toronto, and you know, he's he's scored a lot of big goals for for the Maple Leafs. But it just it just hits different, uh, and and it's been a while for Montreal. And it's just it, it's it was nice a nice moment. And, you know, like so many people have written over, over the last few days, it was the game that finally got the Bell Center back to the Bell Center. Yeah. Right. It was a Saturday night home game, uh, relatively full arena, original six opponent. Mm-hmm. And it just gave them that kind of that the bump that they needed because, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's no better place to, to play than in Montreal when a team is doing well. But there's no worse place to pay when, when you're in Montreal not doing well. So it, it's it was nice to get that, you know, go on the road and remember what it's like, right? Like there's so many players who were having their first real experience like that at the Bell Center, right? Cole Caulfield didn't have that experience. Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson, right? They didn't have that experience, right? Because last year, Jake, they Allen. Bell fans. Jake Allen, yeah, exactly. You know, just so many guys just having that experience of 
what a Bell Center can be like, right? And they've, mm-hmm. they've done it as opponents in some cases. Uh, Cole Caulfield obviously hadn't, hadn't had that happen. So, yeah, it was just a nice moment to end the homestand and, and give them some momentum, you know, going into the, this game against Seattle on Tuesday. Yeah. And it, it let's, let's face it, it's a game that that's winnable, right? The Seattle is not, you know, there are always going to be questions about an expansion team. And, you know, the system is built by design to make them competitive or at least, you know, relatively competitive. And, and this is a game that Montreal, uh, you know, you should argue should win, but definitely could win. And, and it gives them a little bit of a boost. You know, Seattle's good. You know, they lost their home opener, the first game in Seattle and, and they're going to be, you know, looking to, to get back on, on the right track. But from a Montreal perspective, this West coast trip has always been uh, a, a, tr- a tough time, especially the California West mm-hmm. coast trips. And, and now you add Seattle to that as well. And, and that's not going to be an easy place to go into and play. And I do wonder, because the Montreal Canadiens have, have a fan base that spans, you know, countries and cities. And, you know, if you go Western Canada, there's a lot of Canadians fans. You go to, you know, Eastern Canada, the Maritimes, there's a lot of Canadians fans. You go to the U.S., there's a lot of Canadians fans. I, I wonder if there's going to be a, a Canadians presence in in seattle for for that game and and that's i'm guessing i'm curious about that because we we see it in vancouver we see it in calgary we see it in edmonton when there's there's games there uh winnipeg as well Mm -hmm. and and i'm I'm curious if there's you know california uh and even vegas right when 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 you play in vegas in the playoffs there -hmm. are a lot of canadians fans there right so uh, it's going to be interesting to see if they they have um if there's some people who are uh, from Seattle, who may might have a little bit of an attachment to the Canadians, even though they have a team there now, mm-hmm. uh, and that that's that's what I'm intrigued by. You know, even look at their, you know, the, the people involved with the with the the Kraken. I mean, Jeff Jeff Baker, who writes for the Seattle Times, he was born in Montreal, went to Concordia, uh, wrote for the Montreal Gazette for for a time. Uh, Mitch Garber, who's part of the ownership group in Seattle, born in Montreal, uh, rumored to be. A, uh, a person who's looking to bring back baseball to, to Montreal and part of that group. So, uh, you know, he used to have a talk radio show uh, in, in Montreal as well before uh, making his money. So it, it's, it's one of those things where it, it, there's a lot of ties between the Seattle team uh, and Seattle organization and, and the Montreal Canadian and, and the city of Montreal, not just mm-hmm. Montreal Canadians. And so it, it's going to be interesting. That, that's something that I'm going to be looking forward to uh, as well. And then obviously you have the California trip with uh, San Jose and then Anaheim and Los Angeles. And it's a good thing that this team won a game because otherwise the Philip Deneau game would, would probably be a little bit louder. Yeah. Uh, that, that it, and they're going to see uh, the organization that Joel Bouchard went to. So a lot of, a lot of uh, storylines in this opening, uh, opening road trip for the Montreal game. Yeah. And it, it's going to be like now since the, like they've had a few days to recharge since the Detroit win. It's going to be fun to see if if there is like a weight lifted from their shoulders. Because to be real, I don't think they could have a better opponent than an expansion team um, for like for this kind of game when they've just won a game after losing five straight and then go like if you have to go to uh, well to an away game. Uh, you know, Seattle has basically everything to win this year, obviously, but. Seeing how it started for them, it's kind of like they're 
probably going to be like a normal expansion draft uh, expansion team more than they're going to be like you know close to vegas uh, in their first year so so just like coming there and, and maybe the, the seattle kraken hasn't really yelled yet um as they as they are going to uh and yeah it's going to be interesting now obviously we've already seen montreal face the sharks once this year and that didn't go very well but uh if you look at it from just like a roster perspective, all of these four games should be winnable. And that's kind of the thing as well with Montreal. It feels like, yeah, they've had a, a terrible start to the season, but but it still feels like roster-wise, they should be able to compete. Um, yeah, so so like, uh, yeah, it would be would be fun to see a few wins here uh, obviously otherwise we're gonna be down that rabbit hole again and just uh, <laughs> calling for people to be fired so uh but yeah uh, starting at cl to uh yeah tomorrow we are recording this on monday so it's gonna be uh yeah it's gonna be a fun time it's one of those things where it might be a good time to kind of get the team away for a few days uh yeah. from montreal you know especially given their start and, you know, yes, they, they won their last game. Uh, they have a little bit of momentum going, but it might be good to, to get away and, you know, have a little bit of, of team bonding on the road. And obviously the road trips are a little bit different this year because the, the restrictions are somewhat lifted than they were, say, you know, the year before. So it, it's it's going to be good for them to, to kind of get away and, and, and maybe have a, a kind of reset uh, that they need. Shea Weber is going to join the team in Seattle. Uh, that was announced on Monday. He's, he was with the team uh, on Monday, and he's going to be with them on Tuesday before the team leaves for California. So that's going to be a boost for them as well, I'm sure, to have him because uh, you know he's such a presence in this room, yeah. right? It's and that's the thing that a lot of, like that's probably missing with this team right now, of course. right? Is that you you don't have it's not only missing Weber, Price, Byron on the ice, Emmonson as well. It's missing them in that room. Right, like yeah. not having them around day to day, is is tough. And you know, you know, Byron's been around the team a little bit. Uh, Edmondson is is coming back into town, um, and then you have Weber today, and and Tuesday in Seattle, and then uh, Price, you know, is is still away. But you know, it, it's a little bit of normalcy as mm-hmm. well, which which might get this team going. And you know, the 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 thing about how this team has reacted under Dominic Ducharme since he took over has been building towards a process, yeah. Right, and and even last year when the process was not going well, it looked awful on the ice, right? Like, yeah. you know, there were a lot of games where it the team just looked like you know discombobulated and basically like they did in the first five games of the season. You know, yeah. even I mean Toronto wasn't that bad. Toronto was actually a pretty good game, but the the other four were were nowhere close to where they they should have been. And, and that's, that's something that that's been a challenge for this team. But on the flip side to that is that, you know, there's a lot of new faces as well and, and getting used to the system because it's a system that relies on knowing where people are going to be and, and a group of five. Right. And if one person is not really following and not to put one person in, you know, not a particular person in, you know, in trouble or calling them out, but when one person is not doing the right thing, then that leads to other people trying to do other things. And then that leads to basically exactly. everything yeah. collapsing. So it's, it, it is something that, that is makes the growing pains look a lot worse than, than they maybe should. Mm. But, but that's, you know, you see when it does work, how good they're looking at Detroit. Look, Detroit's not a great team, 
by any stretch. But you know, the next night they go in and dominate Chicago, which again, not a great team. <laughs> no. But 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 still, right? Like, look what Detroit did to Tampa, right? Like t- Detroit dominated Tampa for for most of that game until like the final, you know, 10, 10 or so minutes of that game, right? They were up six three against Tampa. And if Montreal did that to Tampa, we'd be like, oh, well, this is you know, this is this is a new team, right? Like it, it's it, it's one of those things where it's still very early in the season. And, and I think that. You know, when you go through a five-game losing streak, normally, it's not like the world is going to end, right? Like, every team looks really bad during a five-game losing streak when they have them, right? Yeah. And But the difference when you do it at the start of the season is that there's this concern of, is this team really that bad, right? Because you don't have anything to compare it to. And exactly. And, and why do we have those concerns? Because since Dominique Duchamp took over, it really didn't look that well during the regular season. And then they had an improbable run to the Stanley Cup finals where you were just kind of like, well, what kind of level is this team on? Because we can still see on the ice that it's kind of like it's, it's an all or nothing mentality right now like they know that they are doing this for certain guys on the team like obviously everyone wants to win but you know you had guys like Weber and Price who are banged up and maybe it's their last chance and you just like kind of go all out uh you know and and you had a bit of a bit of luck as well winning in overtime several times and all that uh but it was still like it, it, Montreal was the 18th best team during the regular season last year. And then they went into the playoffs uh, expecting basically nothing. And that I think is the hard time for, for us who are watching the team on a regular basis, just because we don't know which level this team is on. We don't really know what Dominique Duchamp has actually done to the team yet. So, and, and as you said, like, I mean, losing all these presences in the locker room, as well as, you know, guys like uh, Tomas Tatar and, and Philippe Dano, who were like mainstays on, on a first line that was considered one of the best in the, in the league. And then you all of a sudden have guys who need to step up more. We, we have a guy like Cole Caulfield, who we see, we see everything in him as a potential perennial, you know, Maurice Richard winner for the future. But it's still difficult to come in after performing as well as he did in the playoffs, where he had basically everything to win. And now he comes in as a rookie in his first NHL season, and he's expected to, like, be one of the guys carrying this team. And yeah. you see a guy like Nick Suzuki was just awarded a long time, a long-term extension. Yeah. And now he's supposed to be at 21 years of age. He's supposed to be the first line center because there is no one else. <laughs> Christian Dvorak has come in, come in and played well for his part, for like, you know, as a second line center, you know, it looks, I mean, it, it, right now, I know that KK scored against, against Montreal, but I would much rather have Dvorak than I would have KK on my team. KK is more of a supplementary piece in a, Carolina team that's kind of a juggernaut but yeah you have a lot of things that kind of need to work David Savard is new and and Alexander Romanov is still learning the North American game um and obviously like if you had Joel Edmondson or Shea Weber available they would be more in a in a role more suited for them maybe now they have to step up and take more minutes uh chris weidman sammy niku played really well as well when he when he got the chance but you know chris weidman wasn't expected to be you know well maybe they wanted him to like take charge of the second power play but he's still been a fringe nhl for a long time for a reason so we're kind of like back in that you know situation that we had during the 20 
1920 playoffs when it was like you know guys like Xavier Ouellet coming in like you know yeah. playing playing third pairing minutes because yeah. you had no one else yeah it, it, you know th- that that was a big thing too is just knowing not knowing what this team was right like is we just we it's so there's so many things that that have changed in the last few months that you know, you can't even look at the playoff run really, right? Like it's just such a completely different team. Like it's, it, it's, it's almost remarkable how much has changed, right? Like Weber, Price, Perry, Edmondson, Dano, Tatar, even though he didn't play, Kotkaniemi, although he didn't play all the time, you know, Merrill, Gustafson, like Edmondson. I don't know if I mentioned Edmondson already or not, but I mean, that, that's, that's a lot. Byron is another, mm-hmm. like that's, that's like, almost half the team uh, is completely yeah. changed, right? Like it, it's just, and, and it doesn't, I don't think that this team is necessarily bad, but it's just different. And I think it's going to take time for, for everything to settle in. And, you know, it, it's great that they got a win. So that we're not talking about zero and six heading into uh, a road trip that they never do well. Yeah. But I, I wonder if this is kind of like a bizarro season for Montreal, because the, the MO, and really since the Marc Bergevin era started, was start strong, then fade, lose to Detroit, lose on the West Coast. Yeah. Right? Like, that's been the pattern. It's not just one coach or another. Like, it's just that's that's what's happened. So I wonder now if the difference is start slow, beat Detroit, win on the West Coast, then finish the season strong. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you believe, believe in, you know, in sequences and all that, you know, kind of like, you know, as a journalist, you have to kind of think in those in those patterns all the time as well. So you can build up a storyline. Uh, I, I was thinking as well, like, would you be OK if this team just flat out sucked this year? Yes. If, if they yeah, I, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's it's the end of the world, really. No, but I, I was going to say, like, if they managed to win the draft lottery, for example, and got uh, a Shane Wright for years to come. Like Shane Wright is considered probably the best first overall pick as at least since Austin Matthews. So if you got a, the chance to like draft a guy like that and have him play with, well, Suzuki's locked up for eight more years. So like now we're going way ahead of time here. But if Montreal were to like be one of the worst teams in the league and end up having the chance to draft a, a Shane Wright, I think like, well, it would just like it would just kind of top up this team in a way that we haven't seen for a very long time. Yeah, it, it's it's a happy accident if it were to happen, right? Like yeah, and and it's it's funny because if this team bottoms out, like if they actually finish like near the bottom of the entire league this year. Yeah. It doesn't mean that Nick Suzuki is a bad prospect or a bust. It doesn't mean yeah. that Cole Caulfield is a bad prospect or a bust. It, all yeah. it means is that they weren't ready for this year, right? Like yeah. they're still 21, 20 years old. Yeah. And, and this team will only go as far as they take them. Like if Nick Suzuki is not a number one center, right? Mm-hmm. If he can't play those minutes and if Cole Caulfield cannot score, you know, 20 to 30 goals, this season this team is going to struggle but yeah. that's okay right like it, it they don't have to do it this year they're going to do it eventually and that's yeah. that's the reason behind why this team is is so optimistic and you know if this ends up being a transition year that's okay that's why you paid that's why you went to get christian Dvorak with term 
That's why you lottery protected the pick for yeah. Christian Dvorak. That's why you have uh, Matthias Norlander even skating with the team in, in preseason. That's mm-hmm. why you sent Keaton Gooley back to junior. Like yeah. it's why it's why you sent Ryan Paling back to Laval. It, yeah. It's 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 there's still a lot of you know elite prospects who you know look at every team very uh, objectively and look at the prospect pool. Has Montreal as the sixth best prospect pool in the NHL? Mm. This team is not necessarily ready to contend yet, but the, the cover is still like the benefits of, of these, like we see Suzuki, we see Romanov, we see Caulfield and we're like, okay, the future is now, Yeah, but it's not necessarily now. Like, yes, those are the players who have made, who have come in right away, but there's a, a lot, a lot of players still waiting, you know, behind them. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's, if, if this team was o- o- always going to be, dependent on Suzuki and Caulfield and as good as however good they were was how good the team was going to be this year but we if they aren't ready for those top roles for 82 games it's okay they're still young yeah exactly they are still it's not it's they don't have to be ready they have to be if you look at it just as 21 22 Canadians Mm. yes they have to be very good but there's a lot more to this than this season and so, yeah, if they do, you know, if they become a lottery team instead of a, a postseason bubble team or a playoff bubble team, then I think that's that's perfectly fine. I think that's the hard part when you follow a team closely, because if you just trust, if you watch the process from like, a, a, you know, a, a sky wide perspective, you look at it from a from a long, you know, from from long, long, far away, then you know, if, if one season is bad, but it leads to, you know, several seasons of good, then it's not really a problem. But if you follow the team on a daily basis and just see how poorly they are playing, <laughs> and it's just like, it kind of, you know, builds up something in you, you are kind of like expecting more of an effort or something. And and th- that is just like, I think that is the difficult part. Like you, especially like if, 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 Montreal were the Buffalo Sabres right now, you would kind of expect them to be bad because even if Buffalo Sabres still has pieces on their team, it's just like nothing is working there. So you kind of just know that this season as well is just to punt and then try to build something with Owen Power and Rasmus Dallin and whatever they can get for Jack Eichel. But for Montreal, as we said, it's kind of been a schizophrenic year where just like, well, you had a really bad 2019-2020 regular season, which ended up really well because they beat Pittsburgh and, and played well against Philly in the playoffs. And then you started the season so well last year. Um, and then all of a sudden you get your head coach, like your head coach gets fired and like you make it to the playoffs by the, you know, by one hair basically and, and then you get all the way to the Stanley Cup finals for the first time since 1993 right yeah. so and then now you start with five losses in a row and then just like what am I supposed to expect from this team are they good are they bad <laughs> are they what are they yeah and, and I think that's that's what you need like you need to take a step back a lot yeah, of time of like like to go back to what we started with like you know I, I see my daughter every day right yeah. I, I don't notice the growth every day no. right and then you know the the in-laws or, or the grandparents come in every week or so and they come every week like whoa she's grown so much yeah and and you, you don't notice it right like and that's yeah. that's kind of how it works with a developing hockey team too right like you know you watch every day 
And you're like, oh, I don't see any difference in Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield at all. There's no difference. And, and then, you know, at the end of the season, you might look at it and be like, remember what they were game one, remember what they were yeah. game 82 and, and see the growth that way. Right. And, and, and it's, it's, it's a hard thing to do, but the important, like the, the, the last year making to the Stanley Cup final might've been a little bit too quick for them and raised expectations. But when you take two or three step forward, like they did last year, you can afford to take a step back because yeah. you're still one or two steps ahead of where you were. Right. Like, and, and it's, it's all about incremental growth and, the Canadians, you know, you want a team to win. Absolutely, right? Everybody does. From Mark Bergevin to Jeff Molson to Dominic Ducharme, you know, everybody in the organization wants to win. But they're not just trying to win this season. They're trying to build a perennial contender. And, you know, there's going to be growing pains. And that's just the way it works sometimes. And, you know, it, it's, it's going to be, it's, it's good for their to the growth to give these people men. And that's why, you know, even if they would have kept Jesperi Kanyemi this year, if the offer sheet never happened or if it was matched or whatever, I would have liked, this is the perfect kind of season to just give them minutes, right? No. You're not going to see Nick Suzuki benched. You're not going to see Cole Caulfield benched or, or you know, shorten the bench uh, by Dominic Ducharme. They're going to get their minutes, right, throughout the year. Same thing with uh, even a guy like Romanov or for now. You know, like he's getting his minutes and, and that's what you want. Like, you don't like the pressure is there to succeed. Yes. But they're still trying to grow at the same time. And I think that's, that's the, the important thing for, for this team going forward is just showing incremental growth. If that means make, missing the playoffs this year, it's okay. Right. Like, you know, th- this team, yes, it's great to see Matthew Pro score three goals. But the future of this team is not going to be dependent on Matthew Perot, right? Like that, that's not the important part for this team. So yeah, it's it's frustrating. I, I definitely understand the frustration of fans who watch it and be like, this team is awful. What am I watching? Because you know, we have to watch the games <laughs> as well. And and it's a lot more fun to watch a team that's fun than a team that's not fun. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd much rather watch five, four losses than five, nothing losses. Uh, you know, if I have the choice, but in, in terms of the, the overall picture, there's still a lot more to this than this season. So yeah, I, I don't think it's a huge detriment. Like people are going to look at, if the Canadians don't make the playoffs this year, they're like, Oh, the cup final was a fluke. Mm-hmm. And then in, in a year or two from now, when they make another run, people are like, Oh, Maybe that was the start of something, not the end. And, and I think that that's, you know, look at the, the Pittsburgh Penguins are a good example, right? They, they lost in the playoffs. They lost in the Stanley Cup final. And then they worked their way back, right? And I'm not saying that this Montreal team has a Sidney Crosby or an Evgeny Malkin, but that's the, that's the pattern of teams that teams take, right? Like, look at Tampa. How many times did Tampa fail in the playoffs? Yeah, before they eventually just, won the just the year before, right? right. They, they, they got swept. Four, they got, four, they got swept by Columbus, who yeah. had never won a playoff series ever. Yeah. So yeah, you can like that's what I'm talking about. You have to trust whatever process you have built up for the team. The the difficult part about this team right now is that we don't really know what their process is because 
we don't really know what they were expecting. Maybe they didn't know either what to expect because Mark Bergevin going into the summer, he couldn't have, he could have known kind of that Shea Weber was banged up and Carey Price wasn't maybe feeling that well and you didn't know what to expect from Jonathan Drouin and you couldn't kind of match the salary demands for Philippe Dano or whatever. But still, you can know like really what would happen because... Like, you couldn't know if you were going to be, like, a bottom feeder of the table or if you were actually going to, you know, contend. Yeah. Because it, it depends on so many things. And that's why I think as well that no matter how it goes this season, especially with Dominique Duchamp being very much Bergman's guy, he said, like, when he appointed Duchamp that, well, we knew that when Julien was leaving, we were going to appoint Duchamp. And, and that's just kind of like, well, it feels like, they trust they must trust whatever Duchamp is bringing to uh, the team in in terms of head coach qualities and that's why I think like you know no matter if they were to lose 76 more games I think it doesn't really matter for for the head coach if you just trust you know that the talent development is going in the right direction yeah you know you mentioned Bergevin obviously there's questions about his future as well and uh, you know a bad season makes it easier to cut ties right? If that's the direction that they go in. And then obviously that leads to a new guy might bring in a new coach. And, you know, I, I think Ducharme is, I, I know Ducharme is safe this season. Um, but, but then down the road, um, you know, it's, it's still an audition, right? For the new guy, if somebody takes over for Bergevin yeah, or, or if Bergevin stays over. That's so, completely a different situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, like um, you know, I, I, think it was, I think it was Mike Tyson who said, uh, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And, and the Canadians got punched in the mouth <laughs> for yeah. the first five games of the season. And now we get to see like, okay, you know what? Maybe, the, maybe they have to change things around. Maybe Jake Evans isn't the third center, but the fourth center. And, and having someone like Matthew Pro step up changes the dynamic of this team, right? Because then you can put Evans uh, with Armia and Lekkanen and completely changes that. And then you have a, a third line that can score goals, right? If it's, if it's not Perot, it could be Toffoli. If it's not Toffoli, it could be Caulfield. And, and that's something that, that was missing. And that, that is something like Evans is still, yeah, he's 25, but he's still, you know, a new player in the league. So it, it's not weird that he's struggling, you know, playing third line minutes. He's going to learn eventually. But as we've seen now, like if Perot can step up, then it really doesn't matter. Just put pl players in positions where they can succeed. Right. That's the whole thing, right? You're not going to replace Philip Dano with Christian Dvorak, right? You're not going to replace... You know, yes, Perry Kopkin, you know, Jake Evans, but everyone has to give a little bit more, right? Nick Suzuki has to be better. Christian Vorak has to bring something uh, a little bit more. You know, Jonathan Drouin has to be a little bit better. You know, everyone has to bring a little bit more. You know, and let's just, like, just like David Savard is not going to replace Shea Weber, right? So you need more from Jeff Petrie. You need more from Ben Sherratt. You need more from uh, Romanov. You need more from whoever that sixth defenseman is, whether it's Sami Niku or uh, Chris Weidman or Brett Kulak. You know, everyone needs to bring a little bit more. And, and same thing with, with Edmondson missing, right? And, and you're not going to replace Carey Price with Jake Allen, but Allen needs to give a little bit more. Samuel Montembeau needs to give a little bit more, right? It, it, it's by committee. And, and, you know, when you have a puzzle like the Canadians, you know, every piece matters. And, you know, when, when, when you have a puzzle and, you're, you know, pieces are in the wrong place, it doesn't look like the finished product, right? And, and I think that the, the, the challenge now is trying to figure out kind of on the fly where the pieces fit and you know 
the, the game against Detroit was a good start, but it's only a start. This team is still one in five. Uh, and I expect by the end of this week, we'll have a little a more understanding of what this team really is, whether they're on uh, a turnaround trying to get back to the playoffs or whether we're just kind of waiting out the rest of the, the 82 games of the season, right? If they come back from the road trip and they're one and one and nine, yeah. you, know, you, you are what your record says you are. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Right. But it'll be interesting to watch. Obviously we have lots uh, for you at Haps and Minded. Uh, if the season ends up going badly, uh, the bottom six minutes of Matt Drake is going to be probably more entertaining <laughs> as we go. Uh, I was going to say that the draft coverage. No, I was going to say like the draft coverage is going to be more interesting then as well. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. You know, but but yeah, I mean, not that I wish uh, ill will on on Matt Drake, but uh, you know, hey, look, let's put it this way: when the Maple Leafs lose, you want to watch Steve Dangle, right? Yeah. So you know. Just leave it at that. Um, thank you for listening. Anton, thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm going to try and get some sleep before my baby wakes me up again. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on Have Some Mind. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.